Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. We're your hosts, Dan and Andy. Today, happy New Year's, New Year's it's edition. New Year's weekend, yes, sir. New Year's weekend for the show. Uh, we're going to do a little special for the uh, for the audience. We're not going to go into updates on current events and sports and whatnot, but we're going to give you a little recap of a World Series. In fact, today's episode is going to be the 1987 World Series, the Twins versus the Cardinals. Ah, yes, the memories. Good stuff here, good stuff. Every The uh, local fans here should be well aware of this. Um, So we'll skip along briefly as far as the games and focus more on some of the tidbits uh, that we have. I'll be sharing my uh, screen here. And let me know if you can see this okay. Uh, Getting there. There it is. Here we go. Now, the Twins hadn't been to the World Series since 1965, so when this World Series hit, you know, you and I were young, we're 17 years old or something like that, it was very uh, memorable. I mean, this was was out of control uh, for any sports fan. This was out of control for non-sports fans, Andy, here in the Twin Cities. This This was big stuff, and the Dome, you know, was hosting a World Series Game. And if you look at the attendance to the right, each one of these games, all seven, 55,000 fans, yeah. some way, shape, or another with the uh, Metrodome that's no longer there. And the old Bush Stadium, no longer yeah. there. They've got a new Bush Stadium in St. Louis. This was at the old, the round, symmetrical location. What are the time of game on all of those, too? What's that? Look at how long each game was, two and a half hours. Yes, hours. I was going to point that out. The first three games were two hours and 45 minutes or less to complete the game. World Series games one, two, and three were all very short. And so the okay. Twins beating St. Louis 10-1 to 1 at home that very first game in a two-and-a-half-hour ball game was a, was a real, sh- you know, shocker. Yeah. For most, uh, you know, fans, I guess, they were not expecting that. But then when game one was done – those of all of us kind of thought it was a fluke. We'll see what really happens on game yep. eight. And then they go ahead and win and win eight to four and leave on their day off to go to St. Louis down the river on the Mississippi River down to St. Louis with a two-nothing lead. And so yep. this was really starting to make believers out of what is going to happen here. Are we going to see a, a, a fluke? You know, the twins were very heavily underdogs, uh, and Cardinals had been there. Uh, many times had, had been in that, uh, you know, been in the situation. You know, the, a lot of postseasons. Oh yeah, they go down to Bush and lose three to one in a close game. So now it's like, well, the Twins are in there. Uh, they're not getting uh, beat up at all. They're losing close games on the road. And then the next one is is seven to two. So at that point, I think it's tied two games apiece. And now we're getting some of the doubters to come back by saying, yeah. They had a good run, but it's not going to last. Yeah, that was fun while it lasted. Then we get the next game. Twins lose again 4-2. to two. So now, Twins are now facing elimination. Coming back, day off. They come back and play two games now back-to-back. Facing elimination in the Dome. Well, they come back and explode for an 11-5 to five win, forcing game seven. Now, once again, even these longer games with the runs uh, being scored, they're three hours and four minutes. Once again, they're yeah. games quickly done 
moving them along quickly. They have the big game there. Game seven, the Twins win first ever World Series, four to two, beating the Cardinals in game seven to take home the World Series trophy. And uh, first time of first, you know, of its kind, they're in the Metrodome to host. You know, they have hosted a Final Four basketball. They've hosted the All-Star game in 85. They hosted a, uh, the Super Bowl was yet to come. They hosted that in 92. Yep. And uh, a World Series. So yep. Metrodome gaining some notoriety here. And I'll, I'll bring up more of the notoriety here in a minute. Let's share another screen here. This I, I thought was, was very interesting. It does not get showed much on any kind of reviews. A composite box score, oh, a box score for the 87 World Series. It gives you the total attendance, the average attendance. The interesting shows the winner's player's share. Yeah. Long and can't see this on the screen. It's, it was $85,581. $85,000 for the winning team. So the Twins, each player, $85,000. Today's world, much, much larger than yes. that. <laughs> but back then, that was... Uh, that was- Eighty-seven. They each got eighty-five grand. Losing team even got fifty-six thousand oh fifty-three for the Cardinals. Now let's take a look at some of the innings. They're very basic innings, one through three. Check out the fourth inning for the Twins. Four, five, and six. Holy cow! The runs being put up. Thirteen runs the Twins scored in the fourth inning of that World Series. Eight runs in the fifth inning, and seven runs in the sixth. All in the middle innings. And so it seemed to be right about the time that the, the starters were, were coming out or they've seen the starter uh, yep. a couple of times through the order and were starting to, to settle in and, um, you know, really got their runs scored. And then they forced St. Louis to play catch up and they weren't too good at doing that. I think the most surprising stat right there is the six errors by the Cardinals in the seven game series. Very surprising in a seven-game World Series to have the St. Louis Cardinals, a veteran team, committing yep. six errors and being outscored by 12 runs. Yeah. And basically wow. hitting was about the same, 64 to 60 in hits. But that was an interesting, I think, an in- interesting line yeah. score here. While I have that up, I'm going to go through some notes yep. here about this. Here's the thing I like the best. Andy, you're going to love this. By winning... In regulation nine innings, the Twins ensured the 1987 World Series was the first in which no games needed the bottom of the ninth. No other World Series since then has had that happen or before. Every game in this World Series was eight and a half innings. There was no bottom of the ninth in this World Series at all. That explains the zero run score. There you go. Zero runs. There was no bottom of the ninth. And it's the first time and only time it's happened in a World Series history for seven games to go seven games. Never have with the home team winning every game. Now that's happened before where the home team has won. In fact, the Twins in 1991 was another one where they both teams in the World Series all won the home games. Yep. But those that game, and even in 2001, in the World Series in 2001, all the home teams won each game there. But those games, those World Series in 2001 and 91, both had games in that series that went extra innings. Yep. 1987 did not have an extra inning game. Every game went eight and a half innings. That's, I think, also for the reason for the quick games. There were yeah. not a lot of pitching changes. 
later in the game and things like that to uh, to push it along with no extra inning games. Uh, they were close. Some were blowouts, but majority of the games were close. Every game went eight and a half innings. Very interesting. Now, like we talked about before, like the game where it was 10 to one, you could put a reliever in for three innings in the World Series because you got the long reliever, your fifth starter. So you're not changing pitchers every inning. It is true. Now, the the after the defeat in 87, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals were a very dominant team. But their run and their reign of dominance really ended in the 80s after this World Series. They couldn't they couldn't recover. Yep. They failed to even win their division again until 19, you know, 90, 96. And those were the years uh, you know, the uh, the Braves were going to the uh, to the World yep. Series, I mean, the, the East every year. But boy, this uh, Cardinals really took a shot. Now, two players, Andy, two players in the 87 World Series went on to become manager of the year award to win the manager of the year that were players in this World Series. One was Don Baylor. Okay. Went on with the Colorado Rockies to win manager of the year in 95. Then the Cardinals, Tony Pena. That's right. With the Royals in 2003. Manager of the year. So two manager of the year, future manager of the years were in this game as players in this series. Now, for some years after the conclusion of this very World Series, it emerged that a lone Metrodome technician had, on his own initiative, tried to influence the games on the Twins' behalf by increasing the air conditioning and reducing the air conditioning. What? for batting or not. So this this all started in the 87 World Series that this came to light. Um, while the Twins were at bat, you know, essentially the air conditioning fans were blowing out uh, for the listeners that have not heard this before, essentially giving the, you know, long fly balls the availability to be home runs for the Twins and then turning it off when the Cardinals were batting in the top of the innings, the uh, top half of the inning. So that was a, a long time some called it a conspiracy theory. Some called it a, an old wives' tale. Well, that, there's enough of those stories to go along that uh, more than likely have some, uh, some truth to that. Now, one thing I'll show. The turf, Metrodome turf. Got it on display, Andy. There it is. Turf. And the 87 is the Teflon Dome. Oh, okay. That's the, the turf? Okay, the top of it? So the top of the roof of the inflatable, oh, the, the roller roller rink, they called the roller derby, the or the inflatable toilet, whatever they called it, that the roof, when they took it down and put on a new roof, that is a piece of the original roof that was for the 87 World Series. And then... Uh, a year or two after the World Series, they did put in an all-new turf on that field in the Dome. Brand-new turf came in. Um, that is a square, I think, about a five-by-five-inch square of the original turf from the 87 World Series. I thought it would be interesting for the fans to see that a commemorative piece of information there. Um, got that as a gift years ago. Now, let's share two more things here. Program, yeah, program 1987. 
you see uh, Babe Ruth in there, Hank Aaron, uh, Willie Mays. I like the Mike Schmidt on the bottom left, Philly. Yeah, that one kind of bothers me. I like him, so that's what I – my eye went right to there with that shot uh, there of the Phillies. But good, good stuff. And then the final uh, – you know, winning the – winning the uh, here we go. Let's see. Winning the World Series. A lot of things happen, you know, for the Twins. A lot of good, good things. Uh, being on the cover of magazines. There are uh, three weeks in a row then. I remember that because I got all those. Well, it's uh, very, yeah. very fun to be on the world, uh, on, the, on the stage there in the state of Minnesota where we, you know, the youngsters our age at this time had not seen a, a Super Bowl championship. They're not around for the Minneapolis Lakers basketball. Yeah. We didn't know what success really was. And now to be on the top of the world with the parade that goes through town, being on the covers of Sports Illustrated, uh, being on the topic of a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of shows, very interesting. Did you go to any of the parades that day? No, I did. I did not. Uh, you know, once again, I was seventeen. I think I was working and in school, and some people got let out. And some schools, I think, closed to attend. Yeah, we we all were closed at Minnetonka. Okay. We, I was down there. Um, did. Okay. Any good stories? Yeah. Yes, they. Um, we were in St. Paul. They did Minneapolis first. And, you know, you had your little transistor radio. You didn't have iPhones for news, what's going on, why they were late and everything else. And uh, Star Tribune tried to have signs they put in their paper to hold up when people came by. Well, you couldn't hear. You give a bunch of rowdies a bunch of newspapers. That wasn't a pretty sight. Um, they had those little – looks like a – a three-wheeled little cop car, like one little person would sit in for crowd control. This little lady's trying to drive down there with crowd control. We're rocking her little car back and forth. She's going down. I felt kind of bad for her because you, you were, it was a losing battle. We were, we were a rowdy group, but no one was getting hurt. We were just having a good time, you know. And because uh, we thought this is a once-in-a-lifetime shot. Yes. And we're pretty close to it being a once-in-a-lifetime shot. But, yeah, it was fun. Kind of wish for the North Stars a few years earlier, but that's another show for another day. Well, fun, fun stuff. And the, you know, 87 was the year the, the Minnesota Twins got Steve Carlton. Yes. That year. Wow. Had Carlton as a starting pitcher, and I think they used him more of a maybe, maybe number four, number five guy, was not on the roster of the playoffs. Yep. So, the, so we uh, had Don Baylor as our DH. Uh, Steve Carlton was not on the playoff roster, but still attended the White House to yep. be congratulated by President Ronald Reagan. While making a photo op with the president, local newspapers listed the names of all the Minnesota Twins. The only man who was not listed on that photo was Steve Carlton, but was simply identified as a Secret Service agent. <laughs> He was a tall man in the back wearing dark sunglasses and not in uniform. That was Steve Carlton. He was credited in the photo as a Secret Service agent. They brought him in and says, even though you weren't on the roster, we want you to uh, come and uh, meet the president. He goes <laughs> on with the parish sunglasses, and the local newspapers called him a Secret Service agent. But that was Steve Carlton. If you look, I want to find that photo if anyone has it. 
And that was Reagan, right? That was Reagan in the White House? Oh, yeah, to, be, to meet uh, President Ronald Reagan. You know, Reagan might have been behind that going, just say you're with the Secret Service, young man. You know? <laughs> he, could, could have been, could have been. I, I wouldn't believe it. If that was a story, I would believe that. It's a, it's a very interesting story. So uh, I, if someone has that photo or can find it, I'm interested in yeah. seeing it because I didn't know that myself until I started the research for this episode. Yeah. And you know, one of the keys to the Twins that year, it was the same thing they had in 91. It had a full-time DH. They called Don Baylor, you're our DH, period. And that that worked for him, you know. And with guys like Frank Viola, Gary Gaetti, Kent Herbeck, uh, Kirby Puckett, you know, this was uh, some fun stuff. This was also broadcast on ABC. Yes. And this was the last time uh, an epi- uh, a World Series broadcast on ABC went a full seven games. And uh, you don't see them doing baseball World Series anymore now, but uh, that's the last one, 87 Twins with Al Michaels. Al Michaels, yeah. Still a fan uh, of him, so – that is good. They only won, I mean, in 87, let's see. Oh, they actually won more games uh, the following year. In the following year, they had a 91-win regular season. Uh, the following year. And see, they only got in this year with 87. Yeah. Uh, it was 87 wins in 1987, which is only six games over 500 once again. Right. So, did not have the biggest team, the best team, but you have high above average players and you have chemistry and you got guys that get the job done and not many mistakes are made and you play clean baseball and who knows what happens. You can shock the world. Big upset. Well, a lot of those guys came up through the minors together too. Yes. They were familiar with that jury. It wasn't some throw together team of hodgepodge guys. They were all together. I think, wasn't TK their manager in the minors for some of them too? So, they were familiar. It, it, it may have been because they came up through the farm system and when they had Herbeck and Gaetti and, and these guys, Lombardozzi, I think, they came up and they all rose to the peak and came up around 1982. Yep. That's when Herbeck came up in 81 and a bunch of the other guys in 82. And that's when they had the worst season of all was 1982. And, um, but these guys played well together. And in five years, uh, the core group of guys won a, won a world championship. Yep. Yep. Um, anything else on this one, Andy? That's all I've got for the info. I, I remember the uh, Sweet Music Viola sign. Frankie Sweet Music Viola. People would paint it on a bed sheet, and that was the sign over the thing. He went on to be a Met later on. Yes, and if I may, I was in St. Louis for a Mets game, his first Met game. I was there that weekend. He got traded to the Mets. Okay. And, that was uh, mid-season trade, right? Mid-season, uh, August, 1st of August, you know, deadline trade type deal. So we were there, saw Frankie's first game with the Mets. And that was Shea Stadium. Okay. That, no, that was in Bush. It was at St. Louis. Oh, you were in St. Louis to watch the Mets we were at play. St. Louis okay. Mets. Yep. At the old um, Bush Stadium. The old the old Bush, yes. I remember it was uh, – so seeing him there, that was pretty exciting, seeing Frankie there. So like, hey, Frankie. He's like – Andy, how you doing? You know, nice. Of course he did. Of course. Tight. You know, um, so I know that was cool. Frankie, um, you know, Juan Berenguer, Dan Glad. Glad, here's one thing people don't remember Glad when we got him. Our odds for winning the World Series went up a bit when we got him. Not that we were favorites anyway, but they did go increase. Glad, a couple years right, finished uh, second or third, I believe, in rookie of the year behind Dwight Gooden. So 
he was like the oh let's get this fifth outfielder from the Giants and see what he can do for us. Yes, so ball, yes, happy player. Um, we got for him. Uh, we just had a solid defense. I remember just as much as the guy may have been a jerk, but Steve Lombardozzi, Gagne, Gaetti, Herbeck, the injury, we were just solid. And you had new one you could plug in in the eighth or ninth inning for the defensive replacement for the middle infielder or the Sunday lineup to give a guy a day off, you know? Yep. Um, that's the thing. I remember that team was pretty, pretty set. Kirby was a good leader. Yep. He was a good leader. Um, he was our, our token all-star. You know, we didn't have a bunch of guys fighting for all-stars with him. Maybe a guy, maybe Herbeck every now and then would go. But Kirby was our superstar. And, Spark plug. Uh, I don't know how you not like Kirby. He, he just had a great attitude. Yeah, everyone, everyone liked Kirby. He was contagious. Yeah, I don't care if you were the if you're Herbeck or Gaetti or if you were the minor league guy that got called up. He rode you if you, he didn't think you were hustling or doing something. He wasn't really coaching you. Like you know, you got to keep your elbow up when you bat. God forbid Kirby Puckett was the last guy to give batting advice. Yeah, I mean, batted three hundred, got batting titles, but he was just a hacker, and he admitted. But he was just, hey, you got to stay with it. You're doing okay. Encouragement guy. Encouragement. Yep. And uh, so I remember that. I, I remember the interview with Viola, Game Seven. No offense. He had to apologize to his brother on the air because the day of Game Seven, he was supposed to be at his brother's wedding as a best man. That's right. You're the twins. It's March, April. I got October open. Don't worry, I'll be there. You know, they, no offense. You didn't plan on being in the World Series and the twin with the Twins a year out. That's true. Yeah. You know, uh, I've got Dick Bramer's book, and he covers that in one of his chapters. That incident yep. where they yep. scheduled the wedding far enough out, post postseason World Series. You guys will never be in it, and then it falls into it. Yeah, course. Game seven. <laughs> Game seven. Yes, it was. And uh, I think I mentioned before too. If you look back at the uh, college beforehand, Ron Darling and Frank Verola back to or uh, head to head, no hitters through nine. And I think uh, I can't remember. Someone lost in the tenth inning, but they pitched against each other. Nine innings, both pitched no hitter. So that's pretty incredible. Yeah, Frankie V's a good guy. Uh, I love Ward. I like Bernanski and Ward and Gaetti the Rat. Gagne didn't make a lot of errors on defense. Wasn't flashy, but got it done on. uh, Yep. Yep, you know, Blylevin was a nice addition, the veteran pitcher. Yes. And 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 then, then the guy here, Les Stryker. Les Stryker, yes. He did okay, you know. And uh, uh, rest of soul, Jeff Reard, our, the Terminator, to shut the games down. Very good. You know, we had a solid rotation. Um, Just gutty guys. There was just a whole bunch of gamers. Just you guys out there. Um. The Metrodome had to kind of get ready for the media. There used to be that one sign in the tunnel, right field side. Metrodome, we like it here. Had it print painted on there. Yep. Oh crap, we're gonna be on national TV. Also, had a Budweiser advertisement over it. You know, when the playoffs came. So it's like, but uh, the 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 town enjoyed it. I know when they came back from Detroit, the big uh, celebration at the Metrodome. Guys weren't expecting that. 
Um, it was a fun. It was a fun postseason because it was really a wild ride Cinderella type of a deal. Yeah, and like I said, the Minnesota Downers after Game Four. Yeah, here we go. We'll lose. Oh, great. We're gonna be laughing stock again. You know, it was. Uh, that was a great, great game. Great series. Um, so not a lot of close games. So you know, like, like the other ones we've talked about in the past, but. Still, from a, from a hometown fan point, they were great games. But again, even, I don't know, four to two. Oh, how are they going to blow it now? Here comes Willie McGee. Great. You know, yeah. here it's all lined up. But I'm, I'm still mad at Tom Lawless, though. Lawless, yes. Still bitter. Still bitter. Remind the uh, listening audience what, what was he uh, responsible for? Lawless in uh, game four. I think, and this was no exaggeration, was a 190 hitter. I think he had a handful of home runs in his career. Tattoos one off Viola, and he stood and watched it. <laughs> wow. No bat flip, but stood and watched. He stood. No, he flipped. It wasn't his ceremony flip. But he did. Okay. He had a little flip. But the way he stood and watched, I'm like, Okay, if you were coming from behind, I'll give you that. But, son, really? You know, that's where back in the day you took one of the ribs the next time up. Yeah, uh, if someone, maybe one of the listeners can find that YouTube Yeah, video. if we can find that clip. I'd like to look that up. That would be good to see. That That's the homework. If one of us can't find it, Tom Lawson's bat flip. I want to see that on our Facebook page and the Steve Carlton picture. Photo of Steve Carlton at the White House meeting the president, President Reagan. But that's all I've got for this uh, this episode here, Andy. Hope everyone uh, has a good New Year's. Happy good New Year's. Enjoy and the football games this weekend. A lot of bowl games, a lot of bowl games. All that's right, right, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. All right, see you.